Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 52 of A Better Father. So today was definitely one of those in the matrix kind of days. So I've been holding on to a quote I heard a while ago from Kara Swisher on the Pivot podcast uh, from June of this year. And they were talking about technology and the impact it's having on kids and teens and everything. And her quote was, there's not any tech companies that I trust with my children or trust to raise my children, paraphrasing her quote there. But the the idea that stuck, and I think that we're busy and we live these lives that we just, we wake up, we get our kids ready, we get ourselves ready, we go, 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 get, it the, get out the door, get to work, you do your job, you pick up your kid, you get home, you do the dinner. And all of these things just become routine. And there's so many things we do in life that's just automatic where we don't think about them. We don't have to think about them. We don't have to process them. It just becomes normal for us to breathe, to eventually fall asleep. Even if we don't make ourselves, we will. For the most part, we can walk, we can run, we blink. We do all of these things without really having to think about them. And I think that's something that's been taken advantage of from tech companies is that they make these things like at the beginning of all of this, which is 15, 20 years old now, 20-ish years old now, since the first iPhone, just 15. And and it was just like, oh, these are so easy, a kid could use them. And we said that as like a good thing. We said that it's like, oh, this is so easy. And it's, it's not meant as a judgment. It was just one of those things that stuck out to me as a really kind of moment. And we were at the gym that my daughter, when she was a baby, was at. And the mom put her phone in front of her baby so she could change his diaper and just said, I don't know how I would change his diaper without this. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, really? You don't you don't know how you would change a diaper without an iPhone? Like, Because people did it for a really long time before iPhones. So your kid's just walking around naked or with a full diaper until they're old enough to get an underwear? Like, it made no sense to me. But it's just one of those things that we've gotten in the habit of where we just do these things now and it becomes so automatic. And I am definitely on an anti-technology track. And Tristan Harris has his podcast and his movie, The Social Dilemma, that is on Netflix. It's just won a couple of Emmys. His podcast is called Your Undivided Attention. And it was the title of this being In the Matrix, it was just one of those moments where all of these pieces kind of pulled together today where I was listening to the Three Books podcast. My job is very, uh, it doesn't require a lot of brain work and so I can listen to a lot of podcasts. And there was a quote there from the Three Books podcast today and it was an interview with Jason Jason Shiga. Uh, he's an author of a book and he's into puzzles and all this stuff. So he was very smart. And I can't remember if this was his quote or one that he took from somebody else. I think he got it from an interview or a book for somebody else. Ironically, if I remember correctly, it was for a advertisement for a video game console or something in the 80s. But it was, the greatest graphics processor of all time is a child's imagination. And it, it was just that moment of, I don't want technology raising my kid from Kara Swisher that literally came into my head because I just finished one of my two-minute journals and I started a new one and I had written that down in the back of it because it was the only thing I had at the time. So it's kind of been sitting there 
hanging out in the back of my head and then I saw it and I was just like, yeah, this is where it's coming together. And then I was listening to the Undivided Attention podcast and they were talking about kids and the effects of technology. And so this is where it comes in of where we kind of go on autopilot and we just do these things. And one of the points made in the Undivided Attention podcast was when you look at uh research or surveys on people who with technology like yes i'd like technology in my life yes in my life uh yes i would like it to be less intrusive yes i spend too much time on it but the point that uh luntz i can't remember his first name john luntz maybe he used to be a republican um analyst and he's the guy who came up with death tax over um the estate tax and stuff like that to like manipulate people into voting against their own best interest well his counter to that kind of it he wasn't fully arguing but his counter to it and i'm just saying that to be fair was but people at where if they were asked you know does technology make it easier do you find cheaper values because of technology blah 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 and it was like well yeah that's all true but just because something's easier doesn't make it better for us and tristan and again i'm paraphrasing this his counter was, yeah, that might make it easier, but it's easier to sit on the couch, eat horrible food, not work out, and not do anything, and then you die. He's like, so that's not just because technology has made our life, our lives easier, just because right now if somebody took it away, a lot of people might struggle with it, doesn't mean it's better. And yes, these so many things has, have gotten easier, but we were doing just fine flying planes and getting on planes and buying tickets for planes calling and you know showing up at the airport and saying hey and and it was just this really good argument of the way we choose to see these things the way we choose to interact with them or and again this comes from ryan holiday and i think he took it from somebody else all this stuff starts to get recycled at a certain point but his uh thought was is it's not it's not how we use technology it's how technology uses us and how are we being purposeful with it so yes my iphone is good for maps and if there's an emergency like that's why i kept it i actually thought about getting a flip phone for a minute but i was just like that would be really dumb if my daughter was in an emergency or i ended up lost somewhere or something and again my whole life kind of revolves around making choices because i have a kid now if it were just me i probably would get it and get rid of my iphone and just be like screw it i'll have wi-fi at home my iMac, all this other stuff, but it's how is how am I using it and versus it using me, and how am I utilizing it? Like sitting down right now to record this podcast is on an iMac that I'm using, and I have started to utilize an iMac more because it's not portable, and it means that I interact with stuff less. I took mail off my phone, and when I talked like. I remember having a conversation with somebody at one point where they were talking about Tesla and how great that would be that they could just sit in their car and keep working. And to have a conversation with this person was not going to happen, but our brains can't do that all the time. Like these moments in between, and that's when I, like, I'm all for working at home and I think it's great, but one of the arguments against it is we don't have time to downtime. We don't have time to process. We don't have that built-in breathing room, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever it is for you. And again, sometimes it's too much and I, working from home was amazing. So I'm not knocking. I'm just saying if you're looking at the big picture, one of the things you miss is 
just being able to decompress or listen to some music or a podcast or get out of work to get into your home head and just be like, all right, now I'm with my kids. But when you literally turn around or you're literally trying to do your work and then your kid is just like, I'm hungry, I need a crayon, I need a pencil, where's the paper? And you're just like, I, I can't multitask. Our brains don't work like that. Again, the benefits of being home were absolutely amazing and I don't know what it would have without it, but it doesn't mean everything about it was 100% perfect and you have to be open to that so then you can figure out how to counter those things. If you just ignore it, then you stay blind to what it is that is really happening or how you're reacting or not reacting or why you're agitated or stressed or whatever it is. When you're like, I get to work from home, I don't have to drive anymore. Wow, that was a tangent. So back to the original point, which was the greatest graphics processor of all time is a child's imagination and if we don't all this technology force feeds them it doesn't allow them to think it doesn't allow them to process and we like to think it does we like to believe that it is we like to think that we're doing the right thing it's like they keep talking about coding in school which apparently just means having kids watch youtube videos like that's not coding and one of the things they were talking about in the undivided attention podcast today was you can literally now do normal speech to a computer and it will make things encode it for you. You can say, and this was the example he used, you know, computer, make a game where a ball goes down the end of the field, scores three points, and then if it gets blocked, you lose two points, and if it gets intercepted, it goes the other way, then they get five points. And a computer will just make that game for you. Like, that's where we're at. And I've been arguing against this whole stupid coding thing for a while because that was really great advice in the 80s. And now that we can just talk to Alexa, and again, somebody's coding that, but it's getting to the point now. And so by the time my daughter, like, again, using coding as an excuse to just put them in front of YouTube videos, which, again, not coding, um, is what's next? And how do we create create free thinking and how do we get their brains and that imagination and that graphics processor to actually work and when you just let them sit there and they don't you don't feed it then you're not getting the input the kids need to have their brains work properly and we've known this for a long time we're just making excuses for it now but my point about uh coding and this is what i've been telling my daughter is by the time you graduate high school Coding is going to be obsolete. All the parents that spent all this time, money, and energy putting kids in front of YouTube videos and stuff to like teach them quote-unquote coding is going to be pointless because everybody else is going to be ahead of that. And again, if you were doing that in the 80s, yeah, you could have made a lot of money and retired well by now, but that we're not in the 80s anymore. And data analysis is actually where we want to be at, being able to process the information encoders are going to be a dime a dozen at a certain point they kind of already are even though you can still make a good living and blah 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 like it just keeps falling off more and more and the people that are putting in the work now so we don't have to do the work then you're not going to need to pay somebody a hundred thousand two hundred thousand whatever a year to walk into a room and be like hey code me a social networking website where if you click a like button and then you put it up and then you're like hey now make it red and it just makes it red <laughs> like it just does the code for you from natural speech and if that's where we're at now at the rate we keep quadrupling all of this technology and all of this stuff it's going to be insane and at the base of it 
and again, this is a couple of weird tangents I've taken, but at the base of it is our kids have what they need. We need to feed what it is they have. We need. We would not be looking at the iPhone from 10 years ago and think, how do I make this phone in 10 years? No, we're thinking, or not we, but you know, Apple was thinking, how do we take this concept and build on it, change it, make it better? What is it we're gonna need in 10 years? Not how do I make this phone in 10 years? And if you look at the iPhone now, they haven't done it a lot. They keep making the camera better and the processor faster. For a phone that worked great 10 years ago, and it was amazing to have this phone or this camera or whatever on it, now all of a sudden it's just not good enough and we're gonna keep improving. And it's like, great. I can see an ant like it's five feet tall and in front of me with great detail, but like it doesn't matter. And they're trying to tell us it matters. And <laughs> wow, tangents. Staying on point with my daughter, how do we feed the processor they have to get the most out of it for them to utilize it to the best of their ability? How do we do that? And putting them in front of videos, showing them what other people have created doesn't get the job done. My daughter has literally gone through about two reams of paper in the last, what? I won't go over all the details, but I've had her two weekends in a row because of the Labor Day holiday, which has been absolutely amazing. But she was so excited today because she freehand drew her first My Little Pony after copying and going over it, me printing off like blank templates for her to trace and stuff. And she was just so proud of it. And it took her a solid 10, 12 days of just drawing nonstop. And we don't do screens here. We'll look at a couple of things online once in a while, but hardly ever and not at all because every time I think oh I'm gonna put her in front of or like enough's enough just let her watch a video whatever she just plays it on the Google Home and puts on uh, my little pony video and just listens to it and then draws in colors and then sits there and tells me how she hears the voices in her head or she creates the voices in her head and it's just like oh my god and then I picked her up from the child watch place today daycare seems weird when she's past that age but at the child watch place and they were asking if she was coming back tomorrow because they just like having her there and then the lady was telling me how crazy her vocabulary is and it's weird because my daughter gets kind of embarrassed by that and I and it's always weird because I don't I never complimented per se like her directly that was like the whole thing I read early on about you don't say you're smart you say you worked really hard for that because they can't do anything about being smart they can do something about working hard they can internalize the effort they put into stuff and they being any human being with a heartbeat like we none of us get told that enough and so I just read early on like yeah telling a child they're smart doesn't do anything for them and at a certain point smart stops like but when you tell a child like that's really great you put in a lot of effort I'm very proud of you you can use all the same words just exchange the they can't do anything about it with the word of something they can do about. You studied hard, you worked hard, you put in the effort, you put in the time, you did your job. The focus you put on that was amazing. I'm so proud of you. Just change smart. And so I don't know if that's where it happens, but they're telling her how great her vocabulary is, and she doesn't know that. She, I mean, people have kind of said that, and I told them, I'm like, she doesn't know she has a quote-unquote great vocabulary. She just talks the way she talks and says the things she says 
because we didn't do I mean I can't say I, we because we didn't do screens but I read to her nonstop and we played nonstop which is a, another book I just finished listening to that I'll talk about later this is already getting long but she doesn't she doesn't know these things so when she gets the compliment she gets embarrassed or she just kind of is like uh and then it just it, like it gets weird for her and she doesn't understand what the compliment is it's just it's almost like I don't know. I've tried to figure it out a little bit, but it's almost like that weird moment where she pauses and she's just like, I don't, what are you talking about? Like, I just talk the way I talk. And she doesn't understand she has a really good vocabulary. And we were checking out books from the library yesterday, which I've talked about ad nauseum, how hard it is for me to balance this. But we probably had about 15 books. And this old lady walks up and she's like, are those all for her? And I was like, yeah. And again, I'm like, shit. Like, because I don't know how to handle that because I'm bad with compliments and I can't say thank you for a compliment to my daughter liking books because that's about my daughter, not about me. And so I get in this weird thing where I should just say the cliched thing and get past it, but I also don't want to do the cliched thing and I don't want to take away from my daughter loving books and all the books she picked out. Like, that was about her and I'm getting a compliment. And I just, it was kind of like weird and awkward. I was like, oh yeah, she just likes to read or oh yeah, she loves books. And this lady was just like, I don't, I don't see kid check out book like that anymore. Is she going to read all of those? I was like, well, maybe like she kind of flips through and figures out which one she likes, which is what I had to figure out and settle on with the whole checking out so many books. Because if she checks out 15 books and finds one that she likes or two or three, but even if it's just one, then it was worth it to get all 15, get them home, and figure out which one resonates with her to be like, ooh, I like this one. This is my book. But she had to check out 15 to find the one. If she checks out one, doesn't like it, then it's like, well, that book's done, and now we have nothing. I'm telling that to myself right now just as much as I am you because it gets really frustrating, but it's just hard to find that balance. But the point is, I try to feed the processor. I try to feed her brain the way she tells me she wants it to be fed and I think I said this before previously but I asked her like do you mind that we don't do screens here she's like no not really I'm like do you miss it no not really and we just sit and it's like it's so weird because we so on Saturday we were both sitting I was in in my chair she was in the couch or reverse that my dyslexia and she we were both journaling because she had bought this journal at the library at the bookstore for like a buck or two. I bought it. but um, And it was like I'd get so frustrated at buying her all these journals and not doing anything with it. But it was the concept of the journal. It was getting it for over and over and over again and buying her new ones, having to write it in a couple pages. And then it's just had to learn that I needed to use them and recycle them because that's all I needed to do <laughs> instead of get frustrated. Which, again, sometimes we get in our own way. And you got to kind of like think, okay... She just ripped out those pages. She's not going to use that one anymore. Now I'm frustrated that I spent the money. She's not using the thing I asked her to use. And then I just got to the point where I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just use it. Period. End of story. Or drop it in a donation bin. A kid would, like, that would literally be a thought I would have is a kid would love to have that. And it's like I want to shame her for that. Like, that was the instinctual thought of, like, I need to make sure she understands how lucky she is or whatever. But instead, I was just like, oh, yeah, if a kid would love to have this, then just give it to a kid (laughs) like it's not that hard to get from point a to point b excuse me and then get to the point where my daughter sits here on a saturday with me in journals and she got frustrated at first because the journal starts at january 1st and it's like a journal where it's like year one year two so you fill in year one and then you go back through fill in year two and see how things have changed and stuff 
and I explained to her the same thing I had when I had that frustration. Like, oh, I want to start using my Stoic Journal, but it starts in January. And Ryan Holiday literally said at some point, he was talking about how somebody like, emails him and says, well, can I start using the journal now even though it's July? He's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and use it. <laughs> like, start in July. That's all you have to do. But sometimes we need these permissions, and it doesn't matter how old we get or where we're at. We're all still learning and growing and trying to figure this out and get better if we're trying to get better. Or we just settle, or we just say okay, and we don't. And that's all our side story that I'll try not to rabbit hole on. But with these things, there's so many things we do on autopilot without thinking. And we hand our kids these devices, or we turn on the TV, or we do this, or we do that, and we don't put in the time or the effort or the thought of the impact of those things. And we don't always know or understand unless we stop to think about it or we hear a podcast or we read a book that says, hey, these things are having these impacts. Um, I'm not going to rabbit hole on this just as a quick example. Um, listening to the Pivot podcast, I think it was today, uh, Scott Galloway was talking about how um, in Europe they've done the research or whatever and the number one reason girls teen girls state for wanting to commit suicide which is now on the rise is instagram like that's it and then as a side note he said he was getting in a discussion with somebody a ceo of something and they were talking about the harm that uh instagram and facebook does and that ceo's counter was well cigarettes cause harm alcohol cause harm and scott galloway came back and said yeah and we regulate those things we put restrictions on those Right now, we've got unfettered, unfettered internet companies raising teen depression, literally have girls telling you, I want to kill myself because of Instagram, and we don't do anything about it. But we do regulate drugs. I mean, like, the laws around marijuana right now to try to figure out how to have that dance going is ridiculous. And, again, not going to go down that hole, but with Instagram... When somebody tells you, and not somebody, a huge percentage of teenage girls tell you something like that, and you just think, oh, well, you know, stuff happens. Hey, we need to figure out marijuana. It's like, what? (laughs) Marijuana just chills them out. Instagram is making them want to harm themselves, and we're we're spending all this time and, oh, so frustrating. All of this because I went down a little rabbit hole today in the matrix of, screen time and and our kids brains and i don't want the internet raising my kid and that again let's tie this all up in a pretty red bow that's the point is we just do these things and we hand it to them and we put them in front of youtube and we we say here this makes it easier for me right now but when somebody says do you really want the internet raising your kid you would say no no, I don't want the internet raising my kid. Then why are you letting it? Why are you putting them in front of these things with whatever guy, whatever random horrible stuff gets tied into it or flashed in there, all the issues they have with YouTube and kids at YouTube and all these things. And and we're and if somebody said, are you okay with letting the internet raise your kid? You would say no. And I think that's the point. I think that ties it up. And again, we're all doing our best. We're all trying to figure this out. I was in the age of being so excited by this technology and I 
couldn't wait to do this and I would buy my nephew a couple of things that probably shouldn't have in retrospect but we didn't know and now we're starting to know and now we got to change it now we got to fix it and again listening to an audio book today they were talking about how it wasn't until the 60s that it was like oh beating your kid is wrong <laughs> like it and it still took a few decades or still being learned by people that you can't do that like at a certain point you have to say oh enough's enough or oh this is bad and own it admit it and fix it and i think that's where we're getting to now is that and because things move quicker and things change quicker and we learn things quicker and we can do things better that we have the obligation to learn it quicker learn it better do it quicker get there faster and say okay that was sorry that was a horrible experiment but just as we started to learn hitting kids or putting uh, I think the example in the book was it was just normal to put alcohol on kids gums to help them sleep like yeah no that's bad but generations of people did it because it helped the kids sleep and it was what was best for the parents and a kid passed out was better than a kid crying so that's what we did until somebody was like oh yeah no you're doing a lot of harm and or killing your child and it's like oh okay I should probably fix that um, and we did mostly I'm sure there's still people that think oh my grandma did it um, and I'm just fine not if you're thinking that's just fine holy geez uh, thank you for listening to a better father I was excited to record this podcast because um, again I just get all these thoughts and I got to get them out I, I do this hoping it helps hoping it resonates or registers or you get something out of it or it sparks something or puts you on a rabbit hole to look something up or even me it's like where you look at this this journal and all I want her to do is understand like journaling is good and for years I put it in front of her until she found the one she wanted and I would get frustrated over the one she didn't and it was just a quick easy fix when you just stop looking at the hurdle when you just stop seeing the frustration when you just stop seeing well this is the only way to do this or this is wrong to do this or I need to teach you responsibility and respect for that journal and yeah again that's where the mix and the thing comes in because that was always a thing of like sweetie you can't just rip out four pages and then throw away a $15 book like you can't do that kids would and I didn't say this I had to stop myself every time I was like there are kids that would kill to have that journal right now there are kids that would love to just have a book with paper and they would color on it write on it use both sides of it blah 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 and it's so frustrating to me obviously and but it was like okay getting frustrated doesn't do any good and what what is that I want out of this do I want the respect for the journal to be frustrated into her do I want her to sit there and feel sad or upset or have a rift between us or can I donate that journal and can I just keep doing it by example and filling out my journal and doing this over and over and over again until she finds the one that works for her and then she respects it because it's hers not because I gave it to her and told her to respect it like just and it took a while to get there and I'm so glad I didn't flip out there were a couple times I got frustrated I told her like don't rip out the pages I will cut them out or I tried to find workarounds because once you get to a point of like oh what can I do with this better if you're not going to use it there is a kid that would love to have this journal and again I didn't say that and I, that's a whole other rabbit hole of thought process but just how can I reutilize this how can I approach this differently and what is it I want out of this do I want her to respect a blank journal or do I want her to sit and write in a journal? 
and I decided I wanted to write in a journal and going down a frustrated, angry, sit in front of this journal until you learn to respect it attitude was just going to make her not like journaling. And again, I still have some frustrations around it because I'm like, respect the journal. But now another kid's going to get to have a journal and another kid will get something out of it. And another kid will have the opportunity to write in it because I was able to change my thought process and decide what it was I really wanted out of this. And the worst thing that happens is my daughter sat and journaled with me on Saturday and some little kid gets a blank journal that he can love and he or she can love her news. And I think that's what's important at the end of the day. So many things I could talk about, so many things that have gone on. Sorry about the interruptions and the rants and stuff. It's just all this stuff comes together. All this stuff gets convoluted in my head. One of the reasons I do this is to get it out. And again, I hope you get something from it. I hope in any way, shape, or form this helps. And I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening. Thank you. And goodbye. Goodbye.